Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, folks, man. I got this, yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome back, <laughs> 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 back Ankle Pickers. We are back on Wednesday night. We have a full panel here today for the first time in six weeks. We got Kobe, Danny, and Parker. Full squad, boys. How are we? Oh, uh, doing well. I don't think it's been six weeks, but uh, I understand what you're talking about. Who's counting? Me. I don't do math no good, though. So <laughs> we just talked for an hour and 10 minutes before the podcast even started. Some good stuff. So we got some good move. Starting off, we wanted, we're, you, you guys are used to the three stars of the week, but there was such a good card last week for UFC 259 that we decided we're just going to do kind of like a two-minute drill. We're just going to run through these because there's just so much to say. Some were uneventful, so we're not going to say anything. So let's start it off. Boys, Mario Batista, Danny was wrong. No big deal. Lightweight bout. Medic against Alon Cruz. Thoughts on that one? That one I happen to be right on. Uh, I, I said that Alan Cruz got stopped by a spike in his last fight, and I said that Euros was going to run through him and stop him again. Yeah, I had a two-unit play on Medic there, um, or Medic. The thing about it is he I, – I question if Alon Cruz belongs in the UFC. I, I do because his two night contender series, he was down all three rounds. And got I mean, he got stopped by a guy who got cut from the UFC in spike. Right. So that's your answer but right there. In his Tuesday night contender series, he was down all three rounds until the flying knee at the end. So it's like, does he belong here? I think this week tells us no. Women's strawweight bout, a very rare knockout. Three minutes and 39 seconds. Amanda Lemos knocked out Livia Sosa. Crazy. I, I didn't know 115ers packed punch like that, packed power like that. Oh, I agree. Uh, Amanda Lemos is the real deal. I look, I'm looking for her up the ranking. She should get a ranked fight uh, yeah. next. This is legit. She's a contender. Whether it's subs or now apparently stand-up, it, she looks phenomenal, and we couldn't not give her a star, so we had to bring her up. Walter Wade about Sean Brady, Danny and I, between the two for a potential ankle lock pick. Danny, Sean Brady, real deal. Where Who, who does he fight next, dude? Crazy fight. Who does he Crazy. fight next? Great question. You got to get a top 15 guy. Great question. I mean, he, he looked phenomenal. Obviously, that first round he got uh, tagged a couple times, but it's hard to not get tagged at welterweight, but all these guys pack punches, and it seemed like right when he wanted, he could flip the switch and just turn on that grappling and dominate the fight. That's what I was going to say is the grappling. They even asked Dana White about it in the post-fight conference. They're like, this dude's the real deal. He, he showed, like, crazy strength on the mat. So, I, I do want to see him christen up his, his striking a little bit, but top 15 guy in his future. De- especially his defensive striking. Um, yeah. It looks like he's ranked at 14 right now. I'd love okay, to see him get guys, a Robbie Lawler maybe who's at 15. He would roll Robbie Lawler, unfortunately, which is tough for me to say. But Maybe a Lee Jinglong at 12 or a no, Jeff that Neal. Was, no, that, no, that Neal. Be, that's a better fight. That's a better fight. But Sean Brady's definitely here to stay, so I'm excited to see more from him. Light, light heavyweight bout, uh, country club, unmute yourself for this one because this is part of the city kickboxing click. I know you didn't have a parlay last week, but Carlos Olberg gassed out after putting on an absolute flurry and ended up getting knocked out by Kennedy. And by the way, we were all wrong in the last name. It was Injekatku. 
in Zekachuku. But go ahead. I, I want to hear your guys' opinion on that one. Because that – what? When he got him, he got him. That was, that was, I think it, I saw it, it yeah. great. I think I saw it a little bit differently than you. I, I Obviously, he gassed a little bit. But oh. I don't think he really faltered. I, he was still throwing at the same kind of pace. It was – He was. I think what happened was the first round, Kennedy played the I'm going to curl up, play cons- completely defensive. And then from there, I saw Olberg's hands go from nips to dick. You know what I mean? They dropped. His, they but low. you said it right there. His hands up, were at his up, nips up. from the beginning. He's a guy who carries his hands low. He's got a lot to improve. I just didn't think that he looked like the worst fighter here. And Kennedy's going to be a guy I fade going forward. Yeah. I think so his I, best quality is his chin. And that's terrible to say about anyone. He was His strikes, even the one that caught him was loopy. It was a bad position for Olberg to be in, just caught in a corner. But I think that doesn't happen in space, and I think that that doesn't happen if Olberg has had more than five fights in a professional MMA setting. Well, I, I broke COVID protocol and watched with a couple of buddies, and I was saying that the one thing to watch for this fight was speed difference. And it was so fucking apparent, the speed difference. Carlos Olberg was so much faster, so much crisper, and that's why I actually faded – Kennedy here was the speed and I was very right around the the second round starting. That's when I kind of knew I was fucked because to me, Carlos looked deceased. He was so tired, but you saw it a little differently, but we'll be, and I'll be fading Kennedy in the future. Yeah. And Olberg's not going anywhere. Um, Early prelims capper, the flyweight bout, Tim Elliott won us all a bunch of money. Danny's best friend slash Twitter follower. Uh, Jordan Espinoza. It, it went exactly how we broke it down last week's podcast. Grappling domination. Yeah, and they Tim had that Elliott. little exchange um, that I think a lot of people liked. Tim Elliott got messaged by a friend or a former spouse of Jordan Espinoza, who he hadn't treated it super well, and Tim Elliott was vocal about it in the middle of that round. He said, "I'm I'm going to kick your ass because you're a bad dude." And he did just that. And I know that they were, I think the ref commented or someone was trying to stop it because they were chirping while it was like a Habib style type beat down while chirping. You love to see it. I, he, he looks more respectable without the mullet. Let's put yeah, it that I way. I do agree to that too. I do agree to that too. And James Krause is certainly whipping him into shape a little bit. And he called um, out the winner in this next fight. The fight we're about to talk about? The Kai yes, Kara sir. Fight. He called out Kai Kara France from City Kai Kickboxing. Who was in a tough position for a second and turned it around. And that was something that's new for Kai Car France against uh Bontorin. Yeah, he showed immense heart there. It how, seemed how, like how the choke go? was in ten times. If if I, that was me on the mats in jujitsu, I would have thought that the round ended ten times. I would have probably tapped a couple of times. But Kai Car France didn't give up. He fought the hands every time. He got up to his feet and in the first round still after getting dominated. Got that perfect knockout, and it was a little bit weird because it, he it was that walk off, and then he wasn't sure that the that Herb had called it, and so he kind of ran yeah. back, like threatening a hammer fist, and it was like, oh gosh, like this looks bad. And then um, Bob Horn, I think, actually chucked his mouth guard at him. But yeah, more yeah. moral of the story is that Kai Kai France usually comes in such a heavy favorite, got himself into an early compromising position, which is concerning. 
but showed improvement in his ability to fight back and got the first round KO TKO, which was impressive. Especially with his, I think his last two losses coming into grappling respect, it didn't look good at all for him. No, when, it didn't. Uh, Ahario yeah. was just dominating in the grappling sense. Um, okay, flyweight bout. Joe Benny, time to retire against Askar Askarov. I, I, it was. I mean, it, this isn't even a title bout at this point, and he actually just got fucked. He didn't win a single minute of that fight. From what I saw, at least. Yeah, I agree with you. He really didn't look good in this fight. Um, I don't think it's as much of him as a person fading as I think that he's clinging to the old guard, to an old style. Uh, it's thing, People are so advanced now, and the striking and the grappling and the way you transition between them is so fluid, and Askar Askarov is the epitome of that. And Joe B, as good as he is at jujitsu, and as much power or as much yeah power as he packs in his punch, he's not very dynamic at linking the two. And I think he got kind of exposed versus Ask. Yeah, but he was who I think is a real contender. He was a guy who was a perennial contender, and now you're looking at more of like a middle tier flyweight to fight him next. The other thing too, back to the last week's tape, fade team alpha male still goes strong. And it goes stronger to the next fight. Great transition. Bantamweight bout. Song Yudong loses to Kyler Phillips and also kind of utter domination. It, it was definitely not as close as – I mean, Song Yudong came in at a minus 200 favorite or something like that, and he, he dropped this one. And it yeah. wasn't close. I think when we were breaking this down, uh, we kind of had it right on the head. Uh, we said that Kyler was the more technical guy in pretty much everywhere, but Song was just going to try and use his physicality get to get out of positions. And obviously that didn't work in the first couple of rounds. It started kind of working in the third, but that was too little, too late. And the more technical guy, the better martial artist came out with this one. The other thing too is I remember we were talking about how this fight's going, uh, Song Dong's dropping from featherweight to bantam. Kyler looked huge in there, bro. He looked huge. He's like the Darren Till of bantamweights. The dude has a massive frame. For real, low big weight. Mind, it's down to 135, and you could see it. Okay, I wish we had a siren, but we still haven't invested in it. But this is the ankle lock from last week that did cash as an underdog. underdog plus, ankle lock. Plus 110, plus 110 underdog. Dominic Cruz wins a three-round decision against Casey Kenny. Um, only good news for Casey Kenny is now that Megan Anderson is cut from the UFC, I think he can pursue, shoot a shot, try to bang her. I know he said that on the podcast, and he got some slack that it was a coworker. Other than that, the rest of the night wasn't great news for Casey Kenny. Dom Cruz used his weird style, like made him Dom Cruz, and it, it showed fits for Casey Kenny. Yeah, he's as unorthodox with the footwork as it gets. Yeah, and he did give Casey Kenny fits. Casey did what we said he did what we thought he was going to do. He pressed forward. He tried to bully. Tried to set the pace. But exactly what we said: if Dom Cruz is any shape or form of what we know Dom Cruz to be, he won't be there to be hit, and he exactly. wasn't. Exactly. He was no real signs before. of ring rust there from missing missing time. So the, the king was, of not believing in ring rust, yeah. Dominic Cruz, showing no signs. The only thing concerning was the fact that he, it, to me, again, it could be off base, but Casey Kenny was really pushing the pace there, a ridiculous pace. And Dom did seem to start fading a little bit in that last two minutes of the third round, which got me a little bit worried since he was our angle lock, but he stayed true and kept with his good form and he did and that, he is 35 and he did look a little skinny yeah but him that his style the in out in out it's it's so hard to match and you can say you can try to prepare for him all you want but you never can until you're in there with him 
what everyone says. Um, okay, so moving to the pay-per-view card. Light heavyweight bout, Tiago Santos versus Alexander Rakic. Moral of this one was it was a stand-up bout. Both respected the crap out of each other. They respected each, uh, their, their, each other's power, and it, it stayed mostly at range, and it ended up going to a decision. Not surprised on my end. Um, but still a relatively exciting stand-up fight highlight. Was, yeah, it was, very, it was a very technical, patient fight. Let's not get Bogdanovich. All right, lightweight bout. Islam Makachev versus Drew Dober. A lot of funny stories remember about this one. This one's been blowing up the chat for the boys in this one. This, his wrestling is is actually second to none. It's like not hyperbole. It was crazy. Danny, I would, it would be a, a crime of me to not give you the privilege to talk about this because I know you're clamming at the jaws too. Yeah, uh, Reese, you know I love a good grappling oh, show yeah. set, and you know I'm a big Drew Dober fan. So I was listening to Drew Dober podcast or interview today on another podcast that I won't name. But he was talking about what Gagey was saying to him once he got back into team elevation, back into the gym about the Dagestani wrestling style. And he went on to say that it's not a strength thing. It's not some kind of superhero. Like these Dagestanis aren't stronger than an ox. They're not built like Superman. They have this knowledge of balance that's different than other gyms. And Drew Dober described it as feeling like he was on skates. He felt like he was legitimately on ice unable to find his balance as Islam was grabbing those unbelievable trips. No. And for, and the other thing too, is we're not talking about some Bush league fighter saying he's on skates from about Drew Dober. Like the man knows how to grapple. It's not like he's unfamiliar. Division one wrestler. Badass dude too. Badass dude. So Islam, the big question surrounding this fight this week was, is he the real deal or is he was he overly gassed up? And to me, I saw real deal. Yeah, and I'll I'll bring up the same questions that I did earlier in the week because now that we're saying he's a real deal lightweight, lightweight is a division full of killers. I mean, I'm gonna list a couple names, and I think I'm gonna ask Reese to respond if I think that or if he thinks that Islam could beat these guys. We'll start with RDA. I think that would be maybe his toughest lightweight, to be honest with you. But, yes, I think he can beat RDA. Tony Ferguson, who he called out. That would be a tough one, too. Because he works great from the bottom, as we've already discussed. Justin Gaethje. gets fought. Gaethje, I I think he could beat Gaethje. Dustin Poirier. I think he could beat Poirier. Charles Oliveira, Chucky Alves. He also has the blueprint for those guys. Not Oliveira, but he has the blueprint. Khabib did it. You know what I mean? It's it's it would be round two rinse and repeat type, is how I would see it going. Islam, who's currently ranked eleventh in the division, we've just described that he can beat people all the way up to two and one with Khabib still as the technical belt holder. That sounds be- like Islam's the real deal in this division. I'm excited for a, two, ta- a belt. So the submission, he, he had got an arm triangle from the top and the or head and arm, I believe, from the top. And the Dana White was saying that his back muscles and neck muscles, that he had muscles that no one's ever even seen before. Like this man's just even built different. Crazy. I actually did want to talk about that submission too, because as much as much as people thought it was an arm triangle it was actually on the wrong side for an arm triangle because Drew Dober's arm was not across his neck. 
the, the idea of a triangle is that your your own shoulder is the one that's pushing into your carotid artery that's cutting it off that's making you see tunnel vision and this according to Drew Dober he had some unorthodox crank going on where his shoulder was going to the carotid artery to the point where Drew was in no pain he got into the position said I'm cool let me just relax and I'll figure this out and then less than like two seconds later he was out and he was he was tapping because he was fully tunnel vision because <laughs> this guy's squeeze because of this guy's knowledge of the neck and in the knowledge of a blood choke it's an absolute ridiculous thing no it was the positioning was completely wrong the arm was on the wrong side it was a it just it was a master class to say the least it really was it, it was a grappling master class so you'll be seeing and hearing a lot more of islam makachev moving forward bantamweight bout the most controversial fight we've seen in a very long time peter yan versus aljamain sterling uh first time or not first time but the belt got for only fight on this card where the belt changed hands today Aljo won it via disqualification, believe it or not, uh, flying or knee while he was down. Rumors going around, corner was calling for it. It's still speculated. The commission has deemed Peter Jan's knee intentional, which cost him pay-per-view points, the belt. Um, and he was ranting about it on Twitter. But nonetheless, this is a big deal for the MMA community because Piotr Jan was winning that fight. Yeah, this was one I've made. I've not hidden it at all. I'm a big Piotr Jan fan. I think he's the real deal, the complete package. And he kind of showed it uh, until he decided not to. And I, I do agree with you, Reese, or agree with the commissioner or the refs. I, I think he knew what was going on. I can't imagine that a champion at this pedigree and this promotion doesn't know the rules. And it was sad to see him throw that away. But there's a reason that John Jones isn't undefeated. And so those are the rules, and that's what it, that's what it is. I'm, it's, it's weird to see the belt change hands. I would have loved a no contest, but Piotr looked really, really great until then. It was oh. specifically weird to see the, like, chain of events that was – it was Mark Smith that was, call, that was calling the fight, right? He, yeah. said, he specifically said he's grounded because Aljo kind of came forward and had a knee on the ground that way. And then Jan looks at the corner – kind of comes back and then immediately gives him like a very blatantly illegal knee. And I know, I know we talked about like, there's a little bit of a, you know, question about whether the corner said DM or whether the corner said just continue, keep hitting him. There's a language barrier involved too. And there, but he should a lot know. going on at the champion, no, like, yeah, the highest right, level right. on the biggest stage. It's his job to know. The other thing too, though, that Kobe mentioned before we got on the pod was one of the judges had Aljo ahead on the cards, which that took but the fourth was back. a big round for Jan too. So true. That's when he really started to gasp, but still that's not that it had any role in it. It's just more the fact that although Jan was dominating, like we don't, so know. We, we thought we know where the tide was going with the fight, but you know, it still comes down to judge's scorecard at a certain point and the judge had Jan losing. So it's anything could happen. That's what I was trying to say. So it crazy. And then the, the thing that sprouts off from this is, does Aljo fight Jan again for a very quick rematch? The rumor, the, the last I heard, Dana White said, Aljo's cleared from any injuries. They're going to run it back soon. That's what I heard. Dana said yes. Aljo kind of already said that he wants to run it back when he's ready. But he wasn't saying that it was going to be like the quickest thing in the world. Computer wants his belt back. 
The weirdest part about the night for me was two hours after Aljo threw the belt in the ring like he didn't want it, he was posing, facing off with Cejudo. The other two hours was that was that picture live like that happened that night. Two hours. I know that that got like circulated afterwards, but I the only time Aljo had the belt. Well, no, you're totally you're. There, he also had a. Did you see the picture that Jan tweeted of him at the party with it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, so there were a lot of videos that came out about that, and I'm not ashamed or I'm not mad or like disparaging uh, Aljo for something that he's worked for his entire fucking life. But like, it's just it sucks for everyone involved because even let's just say that he fights and and Peter Jan takes it back. Was, would you ever say Aljo was champion, like a true champion? I, I would say the same thing that Aljo has said about Piotr. I would say that he was the biggest paper champ in the division of forever. But he is the champ. He is right now the belt holder. It'd be, I'd, be, I'd be lying if I said he wasn't because right now he is the champ. And like I said, there's a reason that John Jones isn't undefeated. There's the rules of the sport. It sucks. If I was, I was on Piotr Jan, I lost money. Do I think Piotr Jan was the better fighter in the octagon that night? Yes. I just did hope Aljo doesn't cost pick, himself the fight. He did. I just hope Aljo doesn't pick his fights and leaves Jan in the dust so he can defend his title a couple times and then give it back up. Because I think that even if he does, he's just per, like perpetuating the inevitable. Piotr Jan is the and best fighter in this division. That was the other thing I wanted Learned to mention. That head and shoulders. The other thing I want to mention is the new hypothetical line on uh, best fight odds is. Piotr Jan in the minus 200s for this next one. It was like 210 last night. Well, the narrative going into the going into the fight was Aljo is this superior grappler. And what happened? Aljo got dumped on his head. Aljo got foot swept like he was Drew Dober. Aljo got one of 17 while Piotr stuffed 16 takedowns. Those two, as much as I want to say they're not in the same level fighting, they're not in the same level grappling. And we and, were going and, into Saturday night thinking that Aljo was the better grappler. No, they're not the same belts. They're not in the same ADCC class. Piotr Jan kicked his ass in a grappling department and then in the boxing, in the counter, whatever. No, and that's what's so crazy is a lot of people looked at this fight as a striker versus grappler. And when the quote-unquote striker is out grappling the grappler, you have problems. You have problems in that Matt, the Sarah Longo camp. We can move on, but I think I said it last week. Aljo is not even as good of a grappler as uh, Magomed Magomedov. And that's why I was looking at so much of that fight. It's He's one of the best grapplers in the world. He's better than Aljo. Aljo is not going to do that to him. When the dust settles, you know who this sucks for is Corey Sandhagen. Because he's done everything to put himself in, in, in line for a title shot. And it's going to be one more before he gets that. He might have to He'll fight again. He'll get TJ. He'll get TJ while they rematch. It'll be good for him. The other thing, too, though, is I don't think Sandhagen is ready for Aljo anyways. He just got annihilated by Aljo a year ago. In, like, 40 seconds. And and nothing's changed to make me think that Sandhagen's grappling is going to hold up all of a sudden. I think it's better for Sandhagen for Jan to win the belt back and him to get a crack at Jan. Not that it's harder, just stylistically. Jan's ego might have him strike with Sandhagen, and that's Sandhagen's chance. I think Dillashaw is going to come back to the division and change everything. You think Dillashaw could beat Jan? I don't. I would favor Jan in that fight, but I think that I would line it similar to the Jan Aljo, and I think that it would end up being a closer. Uh, not end up being. I think it will will reflect that line. Yeah, I, I think that TJ is a great all around mixed martial artist. 
I agree with you. And we already are going longer than we wanted, but last week's card was just, it's, it's a day in history for this sport. It was such a good card and so many crazy things happened that it would be a disservice to leave it to just three stars. Okay. This one, we don't need to spend a lot of time because it didn't take a lot of time. Amanda Nunes beats uh, Megan Anderson in a submission in round one. I was saying going into this fight that Amanda Nunes is just going to decide how she wants to win this. If she wants to do it by knockout, she will. If she wants to do it by submission. She will. If she wants to take it easy and, have lunch in the third round. She could take it to decision. So whatever she wanted, she chose submission round one, early paycheck. Get to get back to the new baby. Yeah, I think she's the first mom to ever have a UFC victory, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, Mackenzie Dern. UFC I think she's the first mom. No, championship. It would be a champion defense or something. Okay, that makes sense. Like, I think I think Hennon Renault or – well, Murphy. I think Murphy's got UFC Murphy? wins. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. It's champ. It's champ. It's champ. You're right. First, first champ, mom. But regardless. Murphy. Yeah, I think that the only big news to come out of this is the uh, the evaporation of the 145-pound division. Well, you got Megan Anderson, who just got cut, uh, and, and she's vocal about the Felicia Spencer fight being the last in the division that they're just getting rid of it. And – I won't lie to you. I don't think that's the worst decision, at least right now. And the reason why is because it's so thin. So th- it's, it's really hard to find bodies at 145 for these women. And other than Cyborg, who's gone, a couple in other promotions, and God. Well, I like kind of the- think that Bellator is going to get a good 145-pound division out of this. Megan Anderson's about to head there and get kicked, her ass kicked by Cyborg. Okay, but then who else? Direct Felicia Spencer can maybe do it if she really wants to fight up Tanya Evinger. Like, even she was like putting on weight to fight at 145. Wasn't Tanya Evinger last seen at the resurrection or the insurrection? (laughs) Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) Tanya Evinger's history, but moral of the story is that all these girls were not cutting weight, they were putting on weight just to try to fight at 45 for a free title shot, and it's like. I don't know. I think I think if a Invicta took over and tried to maybe craft out a division for the UFC to take, I that might be a good idea. I I don't know. Um, I think it's gone. La- I agree with you, but it is interesting to cut Megan Anderson like that. But who knows? And then lastly, the light heavyweight main event, something I've been licking my chops to talk about for so fucking long. Israel Adesanya loses, yes, loses to Jan. Blahovich, the plus 240 dog in a five-round decision in the main event last week. Let's fucking go. Cheers to you, Reese. Thank you. Yeah, you, you had an absolute great call there. Uh, it was a good – in all honesty, it was, it was a good showing for Izzy at 205. I think there's a lot of guys at 205 that he can beat, and I don't think this is the last of him at 205. But he didn't – he was obviously not the better man that night. It completely belonged to Jan. You know, the game plan from the gods, whether it was clinching at the right time when he was hurt in, in round two, whether it was the perfectly timed takedowns in round four and five. Jan was the better man. Jan was the better fighter. And Jan had the better fight against Izzy. No. And Jan came in with the perfect game plan. And you said to yourself before this whole thing recorded that he was a lot crisper than we thought he was going to be. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. The other that thing was just really the thing that surprised me. And the reason that I had turned off the commentary so fast when I was watching that was the disrespect that especially Joe Rogan was giving to Jan. 
you're seeing them both manage distance, them both throw like 30 feints in the first three seconds or first minute, I guess. And Joe Rogan's on the sideline being like, Jan's only chance is to get close the distance and land a hook. I'm like, you're not watching the same thing as me. Mute. And that, and that's what happened even leading into this fight. And that's what I was talking about last week on the podcast is that's the only way that line even got to minus 260 or 265 because it got to this point where there was so much hype and stardom around Izzy that this disillusion started to form where it no longer even made sense. And Izzy and Jan were both putting on a masterclass and people were only, I remember the people I was with were like, Oh, it's three Oh Izzy going in round four. And it's like, or like you said, after round four, there were so many comments saying tied. Right. It was, that was not what I saw. And I'm a big Izzy fan. I'm, I don't hide it. I really love watching him fight. I'm a big Izzy fan, but in my head, the first round was a toss-up. Second went directly to Jan, no doubt about it. Third went to Izzy, but not even as strongly as the second went to Jan. And the fourth and fifth were no question. Yeah, I think for Izzy, he's going to stay at middleweight. I think it's better for him to build his legacy. It's a much weaker division down there. Um, and I, I think that the only guy down there that really actually is a crack at dethroning him might be Marvin Vittori, who he already kind of beat. Um, That's an inch. I was about to say Whitaker. I, I love Whitaker. I really, really do. It's the problem that scares me about Whitaker is his mental. I don't know if his mental is always there. And he'll be the first to tell you that. So is he someone who can be I so... You need to be as technical as Izzy to compete. And Jan showed he was. I don't think Vittori is. I agree. Vittori's definitely more of a brawler. So without getting too bogged down in the middleweight division, especially because we're going to be talking about it more to come, this is like a good segue point with a little long on the breakdown, but it's just such a monumental card really quick. Best since 200 best since they brought out the gold mats. Seriously. Or no, that GSP Michael Bisping card. Was that 217? That card was so good. Rose Nami Yunus and the Dillashaw Garbrandt. Um, really quickly though, news and notes. I just wanted to say Dan Hardy, my favorite commentator or one of my favorite commentators as far as knowledge goes got released from the UFC uh, over a dispute with a female UFC employee. Uh, he claims that his exact quote is the first time he talked about it, but he just said that he was, it was a disagreement and never really got aggressive or anything, but apparently it was enough for Dana White and the company to decide to part ways with Dan Hardy. I don't know if the Herb Dean altercation was a, was a preface to this and it just slowly was accumulating. Um, the other thing to mention is, Danny, do you watch Full Reptile on YouTube? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I know it's Dan Hardy's page, yeah, it's Dan but Hardy's I really page. only watch it when there's something that, like this that Dan yeah, Hardy just put Dan out. Dan Hardy's page, and I've been following it for like since he's had like a thousand subs. And I just found out in this article that they actually stripped his camera crew's rights to their, his press badge. So he's, I don't think he's going to be able to use the same UFC footage he was using in his breakdowns. I don't believe that his, he's going to get any press privileges, which is sad to me. And, and Hardy, for me, is the commentator. It's him and uh, Dom Cruz, where I learned the most while watching. I mean, the, it's exactly what I was saying to my roommate. It's two ex-fighters. It's yeah. two guys that actually know this stuff like the back of their hand. The reason and, that I muted the broadcast was because Joe Rogan was telling me stuff that doesn't exist. Yeah. And DC, Felder, 
and even Bisping, they, they have their moments. I do like Felder. It's something about the approach Dominic Cruz and Dan Hardy take in telling the fights. It's they're very knowledgeable. And I think the average person might not like it as much, but I learned so much about technique when you listen to those guys commentate. So I personally, I don't know the details of the issue that caused for this, but I personally was sad when I found out uh, Hardy was exiting. And the only other news we kind of touched on was just Megan Anderson getting yanked in the featherweight division being in turmoil. Do you guys have any other news and notes or should we just keep pressing forward? All right, we'll press forward. It is. So this week's card, Danny was mentioning to me, we were talking earlier today. It's a very short one. We're looking at, it looks to be like six fights right now. One. That can't be right. Is it really only? I've got 13 on Tapology. Oh, yeah, I skipped too card. far. Sorry, I skipped too far. I was on Bronson. Okay, yeah. We're looking at, okay, yeah, we're looking at like 13. You said a couple got scratched though, or is that included? In yeah, since we've recorded the set the spread, I know we had a Grumped Kutate Ladze, one of my favorite prospects was supposed to fight and he withdrew from that Zubauer Tukagov uh, got injured and was forced to withdraw from his cart his fight with Ricardo Ramos Ben Rothwell Philip Linz there's an undisclosed injury so I'm not sure exactly who it was he all got saved there and another Nasrat Hakpras scratch I think he's the second on this card the dirty Naz okay so with that being said, we still have a decently sized card. So let's just run through it quick. We'll go over odds. And Dan, if we don't have anything to say, no, no harm, no foul. So I know because I know we've ran a little long, but I know we usually have a tip or two that's worth noting. So starting off the card, we have Jason Witt versus Matthew Semselberg. Also, Kobe, if you have any, uh, if you're licking your chops, think of a pronunciation of the week to get back on parker i don't know if i was ready for nasrat but not, i'm not gonna do a scratch to him i got yeah. something okay just message me so i know fighting um manel kate okay what about uh nope. what about the this, next uh... fight what about the next fight the person fighting uh gloria de paula i think you got your order off but yeah okay go ahead. oh no, no no i got you i got you your order's good i mean the typology yeah <laughs> Okay, so, so starting today, starting with the Wit Semmelsberger, so this so actually is going to be a play for me. The line is Semmelsberger minus one twenty. It opened at minus one seventy. Wit is currently at plus a hundred um, from one forty. Yeah, so this one I think is going to end up being a play for me. Uh, I lean towards where it opened. I think Semmelsberger is the better mixed martial artist here, better athlete. He plays college football. Um, so he came from that. Obviously, he has got great wrestling, great tackling instinct. And on top of that, he's got a five-inch reach here, five-inch reach advantage here, and he's got pretty technical striking. Uh, Witt is a BJJ player who doesn't look for takedowns really ever, and Semmelsberger's a guy who can handle him on the ground. So I'm not really worried about the jiu-jitsu, and I think Semmelsberger's going to be able to piece him up on the feet. I also- is a good price. I also remember being extremely underwhelmed by Witt in his recent UFC performances. Um, Takashi Soto, he got absolutely annihilated. Um, and the Cole Williams fight was fine, but he, he got it via finish. But I think we were even talking on that podcast that we didn't see why Cole Williams was even here to begin with. So 
it wasn't like a decisive, crazy victory for me. And I, I saw this similar to what you saw. I just wanted to learn more about um, Semselberger before I was going to lay my hard-earned cash. But you seem – because I've only seen his Carlton Yeah, minus. I like him. I, I like him and I like this number. And I think he upset Carlton minus before Carlton minus got caught because I know people had some pretty high praise on him. So, yeah, I, I, I like – Danny, I like that a lot, especially at 120. That's a lot more favorable um, than before. So – Next fight pronunciation of the week. Next fight, yeah. Is Parker ready for it? Of course I'm ready. All right. I think the second one is going to be tougher than the first one, but the first one is – I'm not even looking at it now because I have it on my phone. Is Jin Yu Frey. Jin Yu Frey. Perfect. 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 It's – oh, man. I, I'm not good with language. I saw a bunch of consonants, and I was like, ah, pass. <laughs> Uber pass. The second Double one pass. is going to be Triple tough. Pass. Am I good for the second one too? Shoot. When we get there, when we get there, no, no, we get there because we're gonna have a couple. Yeah, wait, stay tuned, stay tuned. Okay, Parker came in and made me look like a little bitch. But going into that fight, Danny, the line on that um appears to be De Paula minus one eighty five, Jin Yu Frey plus one sixty. Line hasn't moved a whole bunch; only about twenty points in the wrong direction for the favorite. Yeah, the way I see it, uh, both these women are decent strikers. Uh, DePaula should probably be a little bit better on the feet, and she's the more natural straw weight with Jin Yufrey being an atom weight. In all honesty, though, listeners know I'm not going to play a minus 185 dog or favorite. Give me the dog or pass, give me the coin flip. This is one I'm not going to see my card for a million years, but I do lean DePaula. I was about to say, I was going to literally just quote you and just say, take the dog it's 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 minus 110 each way take the dog <laughs> but with that being said we have another women's bout coming up women's flyweight courtney casey versus jj aldridge we know a little bit more about these two girls um and the and the line here is jj aldridge minus 150 courtney casey plus 130 line moved 20 ticks again um the favorite aldridge got it, it opened at 130 for her it's now 150 so betters are leaning aldridge and yeah, that's, that's where I leaned as well. Uh, first glance at this fight, I remember thinking Aldridge, although um, she has had some difficulties in the UFC, I think she's the more well-rounded fighter. And I don't know if you saw it differently, but I, I'm excited for this one. I, I think JJ Aldridge is going to pull this one off. Yeah, I'm on the same side. Uh, it's, they're both good grapplers, but I do see it as a wash in the grappling department. They're both phenomenal. And I slightly favor Aldridge on the feet. Is a dog or pass for me, but I I do favor Aldridge. Yeah, you you saw it exactly. How I saw it, and I, it's also just so hard to bet a nine and eight nine and eight um, women's fighter here as and I she as a small dog, but nonetheless not going to get bogged down there. Lightweight Nazrat bout got canceled as you mentioned. Um, Hani Yaya versus Ray Rodriguez bantamweight fight coming up next. Hani Yaya is minus 280. Ray Rodriguez plus 240. That's definitely bigger than I would have thought coming out the gate. Although uh, Yaya obviously is a veteran. He's been in the ring a lot. And Ray Rodriguez in his most last time out, I think he got tapped almost instantly or faster than we expected from D-Rod, if I remember correctly. I think, he's been, I think he's been tapped in his last uh, two out of three losses. 
if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's not good because obviously you know the Brazilian's going to get it. Right. Rodriguez yeah. is just not a great grappler, making Hani the toughest matchup for him. Mm, it was Brian mm. Kelleher, guillotine, 39 seconds. That's where I was thinking. Keller's got a good de- guillotine. Unreal guillotine. <laughs> 39 seconds, though, that's tough. For sure. <laughs> And and honey, I honey, I has a second degree second degree black belt. Oh yeah, he's a, he's uh, a placed at ADCC degree. in Brazil before. He is a world class grappler by the he by is, the definition of the world. A, he's like pretty close to as good as it gets when it comes to jujitsu. He's phenomenal. It's tough to play him at this price, but I might play him by sub. Who knows? Yeah, I I have no play here personally. I agree with Danny. Tough to play at this price. I just have no real interest in, in putting my hard earned here, especially after his most recent timeout. I know Ricky Simone's a totally different animal than Ray Rodriguez, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, 280 seems steep to me regardless. Uh, okay. Moving up the, uh, the, the card, we have a featherweight bow with my favorite nickname is Charles air Jordan versus Marcelo Rojo. Um, and the line on that one, I'm assuming Jordan's probably a favorite. Uh, Charles Jordan is minus 255, Rojo plus 215. I don't have a lot of notes on this one, Dan, so I'll defer to you, other than what I know from Jordan. Yeah, my so my only thing, obviously, Jordan has the experience, and he's pretty good all, all around, but he's inconsistent. He's kind of a win-one, lose-one guy. He's, got, he he's good on the feet. He's got, he's a BJJ brown belt. He's he's tough to bet against with Rojo making his debut. But, but he's, he's also, also tough to bet for. <laughs> right, he's also tough to back at, a, at like a minus two sixty price. I see Rojo as a as a decent striker, but not much else. But in all, this is just a tough line to play both ways. Couldn't agree more. I uh, I had this at a pass on my card personally. Um, okay, moving up the card though, this is probably a play for me. The line's a little steeper, but I like Angel Angela Hill here. It's Angela Hill against Ashley Yoder. I think Angela Hill truthfully is better everywhere. I think she's got better cardio. I think she's got better point striking if it does go to decision, which is the most favorable outcome, obviously. The downside is this line has gotten all the way up to minus 380, which for me, it's so hard to lay that, especially in a woman's bout, as Danny likes to mention all the time. So Stay tuned for this one. It might make my card, but I really like Angela Hill here. Yeah, I echo everything you're saying with the breakdown, but yeah, for me, I'm not going to bet a 380 woman, and it's weird for me that it's inflated so much, which is re- being rebooked two weeks later. I think that two weeks ago was it was what, so high two hundred. No, what it was like two high two hundreds, two eighty. I had right two eighty. Now it's three eighty. Yeah, it seems high. I and I. I still am tempted, but it's just one of those where it's like, am I really going to risk four units to win a unit? Like, that seems absurd. And then am I going to risk a unit to win 0.25 units? Also doubtful. So we're not here to take part. We're here to take over. So who, who knows? Country Club. You're up. MCC, baby. MCC. We've got six fights on the main card coming up this week. And we have a new leader. Yours truly jumped the pack this week on Islam Makachev sub. I'll go through the numbers real quick, but myself at 17.23. Parker is still, in, or not still, but still ahead of the rest of the pack, 16.03. DK 
15.63, a half point behind Park. And Reese, 14.85, not even a full point behind DK after the Wow, I was the only one on Blahovich. Yeah, you were the only one on Blahovich. You made up a lot of ground on the rest of the field, except myself, who was on Makachev sub plus 380. Just like North Carolina, I'm call and, and Georgia, I'm calling a recount. This is bullshit. <laughs> you see what's going on, Parker. They're doing it. They're cooking the books. Whatever. Stop the count, baby. That's what I've been saying. There's no way I'm in last. Jan Blahovich plus 240. The Sharps and third. It was plus 195 when we recorded. Only going to happen this episode. Garrett, mark my words. I'm with Danny on this. Let's let, let, comeback time, baby. I'm ready. So reverse There's order. No shot. Oh, the Danny. Sharps end up in last. Danny, it's reverse order. Good luck, boys. Okay, main card challenge. Well, so you got the rankings down. So let's start it off. So first fight is a middleweight bout. Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart. The current line on this one is Eric Anders plus 155, Darren Stewart minus 175. I'm up. The, I'm up. I'm up. I'm in first part. I'm going to let the analysts analyze. I'll take Stewart by decision plus 140. <laughs> I'm going to take Stewart inside the distance plus 315. Ooh, this is where Parker picks up his points. I, I, I'm going to go. I'm not going to play the funny games, even though I'm in last and I should start. I'm just going to take Darren Stewart, and I'm just going to take the minus 175. I'm not going to get key with it. These guys both pack power, and I can see either one of them winning either way. But Darren Stewart definitely has the more fight experience, and I'm looking for him to, to be able to win it wherever it goes. So I'm going to take Darren Stewart, just minus the 175 clip. Darren Stewart is always a guy who I seem to get wrong. <laughs> and – I'm not afraid to be on an island here. I'm going to take Eric Anders, and I'm going to hope that the dentist just is an idiot because a lot of times when I back him, he is an idiot. So possible. Like, my hard-earned money will not see this fight. It is – you don't know what Darren Stewart you're going to get. Danny, so possible. I love that play. Um, next fight up the card. So, you're just doing it just straight up, Eric Yeah, Anders. just straight up. Yep. Next fight up the card, flyweight bout, potential ankle lock pick, but voted against at the last second. Manel Cape versus Matthias Nicolau. I'm on Cape, K-O-T-K-O, plus 170. Okay. I'm going to go Cape inside the distance, uh, plus 160. Plus 160 for, for Cape inside the distance? Yep. All right, so again, not going to get cute with it. I'm just going to take Manel Cape, minus 135. Take my Lickens. I'm right there with Reese. Uh, Nikolaou is an inactive fighter. He fights once a year, and he hasn't fought since 2018. And although Cape gave Pantoja – he gave the Pantoja fight away just by being hesitant and just not pushing his game, I do think – I do think he's going to try and push the pace a little bit more this, this fight. But from what I'm seeing, I've, I'd be really, really hesitant to lay a knockout or lay an inside of the distance. Especially Just give me this straight up. Yeah, I could see this being a, uh, a fight that puts him on the map, though, more. Because a lot of people didn't know Manel Cape coming in. And then he had a really tough draw against Pantoja in his UFC debut. And now he's here, minus 135. I like that pick a shitload. Um, next one's a Bantamweight bout. Jonathan Martinez versus Davey Grant. This one actually won me the set to the spread for those who tuned in last week. Big time hitter. And now it got moved up to the main card. How about that? Yeah, it's good. Now it looks even better. 
Jonathan Martinez minus 320. Davy Grant plus 260, I believe. Yeah. So that's a big that's a big end. Um, potential dog, who knows? Kobe, lead us off. Martinez inside the distance plus 180. I'm just getting cute today. Yeah, you guys are. Feeling cute. Felt cute, Michael. Um, <laughs> I will do Jonathan Martinez inside the distance. Fuck it. So two Martinez's inside the distance? Yep. Okay. I'm going to do – I don't want to lay the 320 on this. I think that's – even for a guy who hates Davey Grant as much as I do, I think that's an absurd line. Um, I, I think I'm going to do – oh, God, all these look terrible. I think I'm going to do Martinez by decision. Let's do that. Let's do Martinez by decision plus 125. And I'm going to change things up. The way that I see this one, Grant known for his sub game, but coming off of a massive KO might fall in love with his hands. Martinez fights great at range. He should be faster, more athletic. He's a factory X Muay Thai guy. Doesn't have the Nasty best takedown like defense. Nasty like kick. But he should be able to dictate where this fight goes, and he should be able to dictate that it is standing. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna back Reese here. Alhamdulillah. Give me the Martinez decision. Yep, I think that's the right play. Three twenty is too steep. Um, and if you worst case scenario you lose your principal, so be it. Um, I was debating whether to go over two and a half at minus one seventy five, and now I, I, I don't saw that it. too as potential. Okay, everyone, ring the the theoretical bell. We have our ankle lock of the week. Ding ding, I, ding 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 ding. Whatever it is, you need to get a sign or something, but it's a featherweight bout. Dan Ige versus Gavin Tucker. We are hammering. And I'm not saying one hammer, two. I'm saying we are absolutely hammering uh, Dan Ige here against Gavin Tucker at minus 155 plus 135 for Gavin Tucker. Danny, what did you see here that, that really set you No, for real. Gav- Gavin's a prospect that I love. He's, he's a prospect that I know do. you love. I've said on multiple um, times in the podcast, yeah. He's I'm great all around. He's got a great gas tank, killer instinct. Danny A is a gamer. All Danny the hard A is too, so game absolutely everywhere. He's going to be in your face. He's going to be pushing the pressure, moving forward. And his cardio is just spectacular. He's a great grappler. He's got great scrambles. And I think he is going to have the volume advantage here. And so all of that leads me to Dan Ige coming out victorious here. So this is coming from a guy who, like, loves Gavin Tucker. I mean, I don't think I've ever faded Gavin Tucker. I think I've always been on Gavin Tucker. And I think that, unfortunately, he's a little bit past that hump, uh, he, he got to the big show a little bit late. He's already – he had a big layoff, too, after an injury. I know he's already 34. The thing about Gavin Tucker is he's pretty good everywhere, all right, and that's what I like about him. And he's got all the heart in the world and will never quit. Problem is, he's going up against one tough motherfucker. And he got pieced up against Rick Glenn to the point where it might be one of the biggest annihilations of, I've ever seen. Um, and he comes back and he, he's run off a couple, two submission wins, one against Justin James. I don't know if he's since been cut from the UFC. He's might've been. And then one against Billy Q, another guy, like really kind of on the fringe of being in the UFC or not. 
And this is a massive step up in, in, in a challenge. And I don't think he's ready for it yet. Dan Ige just lost a main event to Calvin Cater, who is like worlds ahead. Of but a main event that he didn't look outclassed. He got beat for sure. For sure. He, he definitely lost that fight. But again, he, yeah, he looked like he belonged there. And I and, think, and, and besides that, he's coming off of Mirsa Bektich, who Edson was Barbosa. Edson Barbosa. And then, in all honesty, looking at his record, one of the things that says the most is Ryan Hall, or the, the acceptance of the Ryan Hall fight on one hand by Dan Ige, knowing I'm going to tackle this jujitsu wizard and try and come out of it, but to the Ryan Hall backing out. But we don't know what that was about. We don't. We don't know what Ryan Hall backing out was about. But we know that yeah. Dan Ige coming off of wars with Calvin Cater, coming off of wars with Edson Barbosa, two of the best strikers Dan in this division, Ige, yeah. decided I'm comfortable. I'm cool. Let's fucking grapple. Let's do and, it. And you look at some of Dan Ige's past support opponents. Like I look at Gavin Tucker, very similar to like a Jordan Griffin type. You know what I mean? And Gavin Tucker usually gives up range too. And I'm assuming that's no different here. The 29-year-old Ige coming in prime shape, 71-inch reach. Gavin Tucker does have a really long reach, um, which is underrated, but it's still 66 inches and 5'6". So it's like, I really see, a, it's really tough for me to see a path of victory for Gavin Tucker here. Unfortunate because I love him so much. And I don't think this will be a career. It's just going to be a light speed bump in his inevitable long, pretty long career at the UFC. With that all being said, I, I'm sure the two front runners might have their picks ready, but go ahead. I'm on the 11 and five Ige or 11 and five ankle lock Ige by decision plus 140. And I'm gonna go with Ige inside the distance. This one I actually like. I like the the number here, so it's plus 380. That's a great number. I'm gonna go Ige minus 155. I I'm gonna be riding this heavy on my card this week. I also am going to see it in a parlay that Danny and I were kind of joking about midway through the, or in our preamble. And we were, and the more we were joking about the more I was like, I actually like this. So that'll also see my card. Um, So I'll just do the minus 155. For me, I'll be right there on the 155. This will see my cards. There's no reason to get cute. Danny gets the play. 155 is a great price. Give me the flying Hawaiian. Love it. So clean sweep for the Danny gay on the pod. We love to see it. Moving up this card, this was the one that we were also debating between for a potential ankle lock. A lot of a lot of bettable fights here. I'm excited for all these. This is an underrated card. Light heavyweight bout. Um, Misha Serkinov versus Ryan Span. Ryan Span is we're not a fan of his in this pod. Nothing against the man, just as far as a fighter goes, like his fight style. We think he's a little bit overrated, at least I do. The line here for that one is Ryan Span plus 115, Misha Serkinov minus 135. The only one I'm not getting cute with tonight, I'm taking Serkinov straight up, minus 135. Oh, no, I was doing the same thing. Well, I also am doing the same thing. Danny. Well. <laughs> get cute with it. I'm going to get cute with it. I wasn't planning on this. I'm also on Serkinov. Misha is the play. Although he hasn't fought since 2019, and it's coming off a big knockout loss to Jimmy Crute. Uh, but he should be superior to Ryan on the feet and the ground. Span's a huge question mark, as Reese said. When he looks good, he looks really, really good. But he hasn't looked really good in a really long time. 
He was touching Walker up for the first couple of minutes of that fight, but it didn't really amount to anything. He clearly doesn't have knockout power to even when he was landing, he wasn't landing to change the fight or even hurt Johnny Walker. And then the second Johnny got the chance, a couple quick elbows and span was done. His strike- I am going to get cute because these guys are both decision masters. Give me Misha Serkinov by decision. I like, who knows? I, light heavyweight decision. Interesting. What Misha is that? Misha Serkinov by decision is plus 615. You're savage, and I fucking love it. Misha Serkinov by decision. Um. Okay, so another clean sweep, Misha Serkinov. Unless the guys who decide to get cute make up some points, it looks like we're going to have a pretty even night. Uh, either all zeros or some some all pluses, but we'll see. Main event time, a long-awaited fight for Leon Edwards, and he's fighting a guy who just fought. So if ring rust is real, Dom Cruz will tell you you're crazy, but if ring rust is real, Bilal Muhammad might be getting a little bit disrespected by this line here. It's Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad, main event. The line on this is Leon Edwards minus 260, Bilal Muhammad plus 220. I'm Leon Edwards by decision plus 120. Just, you know, cute night. Five-round decision? Yep. After Bilal Muhammad might have been finished a bit to leg kicks in the last one? By Diego Lima. By Diego Lima. I know where Danny sits. <laughs> Edwards inside the distance, plus 240. Now, that, now that's a line I can sink my teeth into. Plus 240 on Edwards to win inside the distance. I'm just going to take Leon Edwards minus 260. And this is one where I'm just playing the long game here. A little tortoise in the hair action. I know you guys are going to get cute and long-term it's going to cost you. For me, I'm just going to stick with the heavy favorites that I like. Take the dogs like Blahovich that I like and just chip away. I'll take the 260 on Leon. Yeah, this is a weird spot because we were just talking about layoffs with Misha since he hasn't fought since 2019. But Leon Edwards is the layoff guy. Guys like Gilbert Burns and Kevin Holland have fought five, six times since Leon's last fight. And Leon's last loss, though, was to a guy we're all familiar with in Kamaru. He's on an eight-fight win streak since then. Bilal just fought a couple weeks ago on the other side of the coin. And it was against the worst of the two Limas. Diego, as I mentioned, his leg got chopped up. If that fight went five rounds, it would have been over. And I think that Leon is head and shoulders above Diego Lima. That being said, I'm going to play it a little bit safe here. Not going to get cute. Playing it safe. Under four and a half is plus 165. Give me under four and a half at plus 165, please. Let me ask you. Leon's going to end that. Leon's going to finish it inside the distance and you're going to hit it. So let me ask you a question. Why not take Leon inside the distance plus 240 for the extra 80 points? So looking at looking really deep at Leon's win streak because he's been so inactive, there aren't a lot of great names there. It's a lot of it's it's Vicente Luque, and then there's a lot of putting weight into the 2018 Cowboy and losing to Kamaru. And in all honesty, Leon could get taken down and subbed. I'm going to go with the under four and a half. Okay. For 80 cents. Yeah. I mean, I would be, if Bilal finishes this one, I would be 
that would be put me off my rocker for sure. But especially because we were grooming Leon realistically for a title shot. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I like we it. were I grooming think. for a title shot, but I was weirdly on the fence. It's his eight fight win streak looking as what I said is really two big names. And two big names are two good opportunities, but it's a lot. Of, it's Peter Sabatas, Brian Barbarina. It's a lot of iffy names. Um, I have one more question. Would you consider taking fight doesn't go to decision plus 150 instead? Oh, yeah. That, that's definitely a good play, but I don't think that the last two and a half minutes around five are going to be the decision maker. Okay. Quote, quote, 15 cents there. We'll see. If it loses in the last two minutes and 30 seconds, that's a triple Malort shot. <laughs> I'm cool with that. <laughs> okay. So I think that pretty much does it for us here. I know we ran a little bit long this week, but last week's car was just too good just to leave it to three stars. We had fun bringing back pronunciation of the week with Parker making his guest appearance. So follow us over on Twitter at ankle pick pod as usual. Phenomenal cast this week with the full squad and Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.